Pride Month is a time to celebrate the identities that make up our amazing, diverse community. It's also a time to reflect on and honor the powerful contributions of those who've come before us. We stand on the shoulder of giants. James Baldwin, Larry Kramer, Langston Hughes, Audrey Lord, Edie Windsor, Harvey Milk, Bayard Reston, Sylvia Rivera, Marsha P. Johnson, to them and countless other trailblazers, we are humbly indebted and forever grateful. If you'd like more information or recommendations on how you can help the movement, go to blacklivesmatter.com slash partners. This is the Big Gay Fiction Podcast, the show for avid readers and passionate fans of gay romance fiction. Each week, we bring you exclusive author interviews, book recommendations, and explore the latest in gay pop culture. Welcome to episode 246 of the Big Gay Fiction Podcast. I'm Jeff from jeffadamswrites.com, and with me as always is my co-host and husband, Will Knaus. Hello, everyone. Coming up this week, Lisa from The Novel Approach and Jay from Joyfully Jay join us with some great book recommendations. This episode of the podcast is brought to you in part by our remarkable community on Patreon. A big thanks to Greg for joining us this week. We'll have more information on how you can join the community at the end of the show, along with a sneak peek of what we have coming up for you next week. Welcome back, Rainbow Readers. We are so glad that you could join us for another week, another show. And just a very quick reminder, we still have our Pride Month bonuses. A few more are coming your way. Yeah, this is the final week of the bonus episode. Thank you again to everybody who has said how much they've been enjoying them. I understand we have grown several people's TBRs beyond what they were expecting for the month, but hang on to your hats because this whole episode bursts with book recommendations. So get your pens out so you can write some stuff down. And speaking of book recommendations, we want to remind everybody that next week on Tuesday, June 30th, we'll be dropping the book club episode for June. Our selection for the month is Heartache and Hoofbeats by Maz Maddox. So if you haven't read that yet, maybe pick that up, give it a read this week, so you'll be ready to join us for that episode next Tuesday. And before we get into the books, let's talk about a little bit of TV, because there has been some really good TV happening out there. And I feel like we've taken in a good bit of it that has dropped over the last week or so. And we could start that off with Love, Victor. It shouldn't be a surprise to anybody that I immediately dove into this show on Hulu. I am so thoroughly pleased with this extension of the Love, Simon universe, which, of course, is based on the book by Becky Albertalli, Simon versus the Homo Sapiens Agenda. I felt this story, which takes place a couple years after Simon is out of Creekwood High, really expands this universe really well. We meet Victor who has moved to the Atlanta area with his family, leaving their home in Texas, to essentially start over. He's come to school. He is immediately made aware of Simon's legacy in the school. And it's an interesting thing for him to pick up on because he's currently questioning himself whether he might be gay, might be bi, trying to figure out who he is. And he actually starts writing to Simon via Instagram. And these two strike up. Uh, a bit of a pin pal, a, a modern day pin pal relationship as Victor settles into his new home. These 10 episodes really capture so much as Victor settles in, he starts going out with a popular girl, but that may not be what he wants because he's also very attracted to Benji, who he learns on his first day is already out and ends up working at a local coffee shop with him. There's so much interesting family dynamics here, the reasons why this family moved, 
Victor's relationship with Simon, Victor sort of figuring himself out. I was so happy with this. How did you feel about it? Yeah, I feel it was a worthy extension of Love, Simon. One thing that came to mind as we were binging our way through the series is is that I think this is sort of a modern day version of two teenage touchstones from my past. Number one is, for some reason, the opening credits to Love, Victor really remind me of Degrassi Junior High. Ooh, yeah, they so do. I think I, you're totally right. I don't, I mean, they, they're not like, you know, in any specific way like one another, but I think there's just a interesting throwback quality to how they introduced Love, Victor, and how they kind of introduced the cast of characters to that long ago staple of Canadian teenage angst. So that's that came to mind. And also I feel... Love, Victor combines some classic tropes from shows like Degrassi, but also it has a slight Dawson's Creek feel because these are all emotionally intelligent teenagers. So yes, we both loved Love, Victor. Uh, It's currently streaming on Hulu with its 10 episode first season. The writers are already at work on season two. Uh, I will say that my favorite episodes, just to put it out there, episode eight because it has some amazing tie-togethers with Love, Simon. Episode 8 really is for all of the Simon fans. And episode 10, which wraps up the season, really brought everything together so well. And hopefully we will get on with season 2. I imagine it will at least be into 2021 before we get to see that, but hopefully sooner than later. So yeah, Love, Victor on Hulu. Another show that's been on our binge-a-thon watch list is Legendary on HBO, and this is a competition reality show focusing on the world of ballroom. And it's essentially comprised of several teams, which are ballroom houses, and they each compete for a fabulous trophy. Every week, they have a new theme that they either explore in a full house production or walk in various ballroom categories. I don't really know what to say other than you really should check it out because it is fierce and it is bright and it is entertaining and it is inspiring. A genuinely intense and fierce reality competition show. I've really enjoyed this. It's an interesting evolution from other things we've talked about on this show, from Paris is Burning in through Pose and now this very modern day 2020 take on ballroom competition i've thoroughly enjoyed it and you can find legendary dropping new episodes on thursdays on hbo max and just really quickly as we started our disney plus subscription we watched the nine minute short film out which is so incredibly delightful if you're a subscriber to this new disney service definitely check this out it's from uh, a pixar short competition that happened And it features Greg, who is getting ready to move off to the big city with his boyfriend, Manuel, except he hasn't told his parents that he's out. He's been trying to keep Manuel in the background as he sort of sorts this out. And one day, this magic dog and cat drop down from space and whammy a little magic over there. And suddenly, Greg's dog kind of freaks out and Greg freaks out. There's a little Freaky Friday thing, body transference happening there. And this turns out to be the sweetest coming out story to the parents aided by a little sparkly magic. And it's just, it's so heartwarming. And you've got to watch this if you've got Disney Plus, because I got all the feels in those nine minutes. 
So moving over to books, it's a little bit of a slingshot to go from a cute animated thing into the world of Gregory Ashe, but I'm going to do it anyway. I recently read The Rational Faculty, which is the first book in the Union of Swords. So it's the second series, if you will, of the Hazard and Somerset books. As always, there's a little bit of a snippet of John Henry and Emery's life at home as they go trick-or-treating with John Henry's daughter. But soon enough, they're caught up in another murder. Someone's been murdered at the university. And, you know, I don't want to work at that university because a lot of those faculty people get into serious trouble. There's also an abduction and murder that happens. And there's someone who is clearly out to mess with Hazard and Summers in this book. And it is setting up for this arc that involves the Keeper of Bees. It's Greg's usual tight thriller mystery and a good kickoff to this new arc. But I'm not going to focus on the mystery because it's so hard to talk about the mystery without going into spoilers and everything. What I really want to focus on in this book is the characters themselves. Having come off the last of the books from the first series, so much went down with Mikey Grames and all of the, frankly, hell that he put Hazard and Somerset through. It reverberates so much through this book. Uh, Hazard, of course, left the police force at the end of the last book. And so now Summers has a new partner with a guy named Gary Dulac. I have to tell you that this is the most frat bro of all frat bros that you can imagine on a police force. And kudos to Tristan James for voicing this guy. It's interesting to hear the dynamic between him and Hazard and Summers. It's, it's kind of a hoot as he tries to figure out how to really get along with these two. Where Greg really excels in this book is with Hazard. Hazard is clearly struggling coming off the previous events. And he's trying to figure out what to do since he's not a cop anymore. He's considered becoming a PI, even going so far as to get business cards printed up, but he hasn't taken the leap yet. He has more spent time around the house. He is a binge cleaner and a binge fixer upper, but he'll also have entire days that he loses to just being on the couch and wondering what he's supposed to be doing next and how he fits in with Summers and how he fits in the town and what his life is now. And Greg really explores these really interestingly and really deeply. And even, you know, Summers has to figure out how to help his boyfriend here because he realizes what's happening. But he's also got some issues that he's still dealing with coming off of all that. Greg's really found a new level of writing with what he's doing here because his ability with these characters and dealing with them as they keep going through these new struggles is really impressive and really deepens out everything that's going on with the mystery around them. We know Greg writes these really excellent mysteries, but I feel like in this series, especially with this first book, it's all about the characters. And I almost got to the point where I was like, I don't want to go back to the mystery side yet because I'm so interested in what, these guys are going on with personally. So as with all Gregory Ash books, I totally recommend Rational Faculty. We're going to hear a little bit about another book in this particular series with Lisa coming up in the next segment. But I certainly look forward to continuing on with the Union of Swords series. I will caution that this book is rather difficult to read in the times that we're living in right now. So you may want to decide when to best bring this into the top of your TBR list, but it's with all things Greg Ash. I totally recommend it. Well, this past week, I partook of Connor, the latest book from Daryl Banner. 
Last week, we heard the author talk about the launch of this brand new series, and I really enjoyed it an awful lot. Connor is a nice country boy who's come to the big city to make his way in the world and figure out who he really is. The only problem is is that his prestigious internship doesn't go quite as he plans, and he ends up butting heads with someone else in the program. And while he learns the ins and outs of city life with his new group of friends to guide him along his way, he's also finding his way in the love department with a nice guy that he shared an Uber with on the way into town. But the new man isn't exactly who he thinks he is. As with all of Daryl's books, it's light and it's got heart and I really recommend Connor. I think it's not only a wonderful story about a guy trying to find his way, but also it's a wonderful setup for this brand new group of characters. Cool. I'm glad you liked that. I really liked the sound of it, so I'm glad you got to pick that up. One last book that I want to mention just quickly, and I read this because of Joel Leslie. It's gotten to the point where Joel tells me I need to read a book, and I will pick it up. And in this case, I was so blown away, and I'm glad that he recommended this, even though it's not gay fiction at all, although it does happen to be written by a gay author. The Astonishing Life of August March by Aaron Jackson. The title of this book really says it all. I mean, August has an incredible life. He's actually born in the midst of a play in New York City. His mom is an actress, and she gives birth to him backstage and then stashes him and leaves him behind in a uh, laundry bin where the laundress finds him and christens him August March because she picked two months off the calendar and boom, there was his name. As you could tell just from that, this is not going to be exactly rooted in reality because that just would not happen quite that way. But it is an amazing story that arcs across decades, starting in pre-World War II, going through the war effort when August, who lives in the theater for lack of anywhere else to live, sees the theater transformed into a cantina for soldiers. After the war, the playhouse goes back to running plays for a while before it's destroyed, throwing August out on the street to try to figure out how to live for himself. Along the way, he just meets this wide array of characters from a street thug who kind of takes him under his wing and teaches him how to make money to survive to ending up the essentially the ward of an actor who he met back uh, in the days of living in the theater who helps him get on his feet helps him to understand that he's had property left to him by the laundress, helps him get into school. This book really reminded me of one of my favorite all-time books, The Amazing Adventures of Cavalier and Clay by Michael Chabon, because it just, it paints such an extraordinary view of a life that is unlike anything else, at least that I've ever read in this case. Joel Leslie does an incredible job on the audiobook here. Voicing August from his youngest all the way through to a wonderful end of the book. I'm not going to give the end of the book away. And I will say that August doesn't die. So it doesn't go all the way to the very end of his life. But Joel also just encompasses so many secondary characters in this book from actors on stage to people 
that August meets at school. It's incredible. And I can't thank Joel enough for bringing me this audiobook so that I could appreciate it. And I think if you enjoy Joel's work, you will certainly enjoy his performance here. And if you just want to give something a read that will just pull, totally pull you out of the modern times that we live in and give you a little something different that is overall such a feel-good book, I can't highly enough recommend The Astonishing Life of August March by Aaron Jackson. Now, as always, if you're interested in learning more about the books or anything else that we've discussed on this week's show, all you have to do is go to the show notes page for episode 246 at BigGayFictionPodcast.com. I'm Willow Astor, author and host of Living in the Pages, part of the Frolic Podcast Network. My show features best-selling authors in their latest work, but we also cover a crazy range of emotion from the heartfelt angst of how reality seeps into fiction to the silliness of singing our favorite songs together. I love books and I love writers. It's an extreme thrill for me to chat one-on-one with some of my favorite novelists. I like getting to know them as writers and creative people and also as real everyday people. Moms and scientists, everyone's interesting in their own way. Some highlights for me have been chatting with Taryn Fisher, Kennedy Ryan, Colleen Hoover, and the absolute dreamy Paulina Simons. Join me every Thursday on your favorite podcast app. Hi, I'm Jay from the LGBTQ romance review blog, Joyfully Jay. At Joyfully Jay, we review tons of LGBTQ romance, as well as romantic fiction and nonfiction. We review ebooks, audiobooks, and even the occasional movie. We typically review about 18 books a week, so Joyfully Jay is a great place to hear about new releases, catch up on books you may have missed, and find some new favorites. In addition to our reviews, each weekday we host an author as our first post of the day. This gives readers a chance to learn more about new releases, get exclusive excerpts, find out about the author, and participate in great giveaways. Each author post on Joyfully J is exclusive, so you get access to book and author information you can't find other places. At Joyfully J, we love LGBTQ romance and are excited to share it with you. Stop by the blog at joyfullyj.com. You can also visit us on our Facebook group, The Joyful Jays. We'd love to have you join us. I always enjoy my conversations with Lisa from The Novel Approach and Jay from Joyfully Jay. They're dangerous for my TBR, of course, and I think they're going to be pretty dangerous for yours this time out as well. We're going to get three books from each of them that uh, they have read this spring. And we're also going to take a moment to get a Pride Month recommendation from them as well. Jay and Lisa, welcome back to the podcast. Hi, Jeff. Hello. Good to see you both. Yes. Happy, Happy Pride Month. Thank you, you too. Very much to you too. We'll be talking a little bit of Pride stuff after you guys expand my TBR by what I'm sure is going to be, you know, six books. Uh, (laughs) We're book pushers. That's the fun. It'll be interesting to see if we come up with uh, any of the same books this time. We we were really diverse last time. Yes, for sure. Or if anything that I might have done recently, too, because I've been reading some super good stuff lately as well. There's oh, been like an embarrassment of riches this this springtime. Yeah, yeah. It's been it's been a little hard. My reading has slowed down a little bit, though. Yeah. I, can tell, I can tell that. Yeah. It's hard yeah. to concentrate. Yeah. I've definitely had some of that, too. I've been getting back into it. I will tell you, because I, I actually will have reviewed it in this show before the segment, Moving into a Gregory Ash book, the first in the Union of Swords, was probably not my best choice. 
<laughs> thing to read in the current climate, but it was still so good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, we'll be talking about Gregory here in just a minute. Oh, that I told Greg recently on his Facebook Live that I might have to send him a therapy bill. So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, Jay, we will kick it off with you. What have you got for us first? Sure. So I tried this time to be wide ranging in my picks in terms of three very different books. The first one I want to talk about, I just read recently, The Engineer by C.S. Poe. Have any of you read that one? It yes. is, I love her writing. And this is the start of a new series, Magic and Steam. And it is sort of a mashup of steampunk, magic, paranormal, and Wild West all together. So it's not sort of a traditional um, Victorian steampunk. It's a Wild West set steampunk. And it's also a enemies to lovers, two people on opposite sides of the law. The premise is that Jillian is a, a law enforcement officer who is sent out West to try to catch um, a bad guy known as the engineer who has destroyed Baltimore and created all of these really sort of nefarious steampunk gadgets. And when he thinks because of he's a, strong has a strong magic ability that you know this should be no sweat and it turns out that um, it's much harder than he expected and then he encounters gunner who is a outlaw slash robin hoodish type character who sort of publicly is a bad guy but we find out really sort of is looking out for the little guy and the two of them decide that they're gonna temporarily team up to take down the engineer so of course while they're fighting they also are falling for each other and it's a novella so it's a fairly short quick read and sets up for the second book so the relationship is not fully resolved here nor is sort of the conflict with the bad guys but it um was so much fun such a great quick like light read and really so creative i'm really a sucker for world building and the way she combined the magic and the steampunk together which is not something that you always see together and then the wild west setting was really a lot of fun and i'm really excited because it looks like other one is already sort of queued up to come out and going to be a full-length novel so i assume we'll see more relationship progression there as well but lots of fun I'm excited you picked this because I was enamored with the cover when she revealed yes. it because it's gorgeous. Yes, and the blurb sure. struck me too, even though I don't really go off into steampunk very often. Yeah. Now you've said this, so of course, like, okay, yep, put that on the list. <laughs> did you read it, Lisa? Yeah, I did. It was fun. It was fantastic. And one of the things that I was so impressed with is for the length of the novella, how rich the world oh, was. Absolutely. It absolutely amazing how she she spun everything and didn't like she just didn't waste a detail and i just thought it was it was it's funny that i'm you, so excited it's funny that you say that because in my review i actually said like this is an example of how even in a shorter length format you can have a really complete story I mean, it obviously it doesn't fully resolve the relationship or anything, but it feels like a full story with layered characters and rich world building. And it doesn't just feel like someone sort of shortcut and wrote something, you know, only a few pages. It really is a full story, even in that short length. And it, I was really impressed by that, how much went into it. You were dumped into the middle of this world and right. in the middle of a story where you missed something that wasn't told previously. She just did a phenomenal yeah. job. I thought it was great. Great book. So let's talk about Gregory Ash. Book four in 
the second compilation of Hazard and Somerset books in the Union of Swords series uh, Wayward. All right. So, Do I need to plug my ears for this? Daryl, I will not give you any spoilers because, you know, it's just it, it's just a, a lot of the same of what I always say about Greg's work. Hazard and, and Summers are, are, they're always kind of a two steps forward, one step back kind of couple. And they have so many, they have so many things to work through personally in their relationship. And, and I, when I, when I opened Wayward and I started reading and I was like, I probably said a few cussy words about Greg because I'm like, how can you do this to me every time? Every time I think, okay, these guys have really got it now. They've got it together. They're going <laughs> forward. And then something happens. You know, something does happen with them, with John Henry's dad. And, and there, there are some issues between them, between Emery and, and, and John Henry that they have to work through. And, and they always do. And that's the thing is, that you can always count on Greg, even when he throws all of these obstacles in their way. By the time he gets everything worked out, you're like, well, okay, so they needed to go through this so that they could make this next step forward. This had to happen to them so that, so that they could have this discussion because if it didn't happen, they wouldn't talk about it, mm -hmm. you know? So, so there's that, and then of course there's still the overall story arc with the Keeper of Bees, which the Keeper of Bees is the fifth and final book in the in this particular collection of Hazard and Somerset books. And I know it's written because I know I know Steve Leonard has beta read it. <laughs> <laughs> I think Greg revealed the cover in his group too, maybe because I feel like cover. I've seen the bees. Yes. So so the the Killer of Bees is still out there. And so now it's going to be, it's, it's going to be, I think, Emery at a, a race against the clock, trying to figure out who the keeper of bees is. And, and I, I'm sure that I will have no idea who it is <laughs> until I read it on the page. Yeah. That's one of the great things about his books is that. I don't even try to figure it out anymore. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Well, and every time I do, I think, okay, is this a red herring? Or is this really the person? I'm always wrong anyway. But, but Wayward is is just another, yet another step in in their relationship and another step towards figuring out who the keeper of bees is. And then, you know, there's there's all of the relationships revolving around John and Emery too, the friendships that they're making and 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 the, how the dynamics of them bringing, you know, Henry, uh, uh, John Henry being very outgoing and Emery being very much not, and how, you know, uh, Emery is really finding that he's got these friends who really enjoy spending time with them and how he's obviously putting that all into his, his frame of being when that's not something that's been a part of his life. And that's, that's one of the really great gifts I think that that Summers has given him mm -hmm. is, is that he's he's giving him all of all of these exterior motivations, you know, excellent stuff. And and I think that Keeper of Bees comes out at the end of August, if I'm not mistaken. So not too much longer. 
All right. My second one is also just released recently through Sourcebooks, conventionally yours by Annabeth Albert. And I was really excited about this because Sourcebooks has just started making um, some forays into LGBTQ romance. And in fact, I believe they have an Alexis Hall book coming out this summer, I think. I was really excited about that because whenever you get new publishers who are reaching out into the uh, community, it's always great. And this one was really fun. It features sort of a gamer premise. If you've read her gamer series, has a lot of the same tones to that. The, the premise is there are two um, guys, Khan and Alden, who are part of a you know table game, Dungeons and Dragons-esque kind of good game called Odyssey, which interestingly, she completely created, and it's amazing to read it through this whole story because the rules and the way the strategy and all of that is built into the story and it's completely made up. The premise of this is that they get, their little group gets a um, free ticket to this big Odyssey convention that's in Vegas. And because Alden is not happy with planes, they decide to drive. So it is an enemies to lovers because Khan and Alden start out hating each other, which is always a big um, theme that I love, combined with road trip as they travel across the country. And then, you know, they end up becoming enemies to friends to ultimately lovers. And then they arrive in Vegas and they come to this big tournament, which both of them have major reasons why winning is not just wonderful, but really life-changing for them. And then realize, of course, that they need to compete against each other for this ultimate prize because it comes with being on the pro tour and money and other things that both of them need. It's a lot of fun. It has, like, again, that sort of road trip feel. But one of the things that I think she does so well in all of her books is so much research that there's just little details dropped in everywhere that never feels like an info dump, but makes everything so rich. Like as they're driving, the places they go, the things that they, where they stop and the people they encounter and the rules for this game and how it's built in. And I am not a gamer by any stretch. And I had no trouble sort of following along with the premise as well as getting into sort of the excitement of watching um, them play. And one of the things I really liked is the way that even their strategies and the way that the two guys each approach the game is very much in keeping with their personalities and the way that they live. So all of that's just put together really well. And um, it's the first in the series. So we do meet some side characters, other gamers, people who are in their group who I assume will um, be fodder for future books. But I'm really excited. You know, I really loved it. I read Annabeth's work a lot. And this was one of my favorites in a long time. It reminded me a lot of some of her sort of older um, works that I loved. So lots of fun and great if you're looking for sort of, a, like I said, enemies to lovers, light contemporary with a lot of richness to it. I'm not counting this as an ad either because it's already been on my list since mm -hmm. I first read about it because the whole convention thing sounded really yeah. cool and the road trip. I'm waiting on the audiobook because it's a Kurt yes, Graves, Joel Leslie combo. Yes, I know. I'm really excited about that. I talked to Joel about it before I read it, and they were still figuring out, you know, who was going to do which part. And then afterwards, and he told me, and I was like, yes, exactly. I can completely see. So I think it's going to be really interesting to see the dual narration, but I think they're going to do a good job with it. Yeah, I have no doubt. All right. Well, my number two book is uh, actually, it's a young adult book. It is a book by a debut author, Kevin Van Wye, and I hope I'm pronouncing his last name 
correctly. It's W-H-Y-E. And his book is called Date Me Bryson Keller. Mm, we're reviewing that, but I haven't read it yet. It is it is such a great book. And it's one of those, it's it's, it's one of those kind of books where it's got this very kind of feel-good feel to it, and yet it's not all sweetness and light. It's got a little bit of bite to it. The premise is very much a fake boyfriend's, which is always just kind of fun. Uh, it takes place. They're seniors in high school. Kai Sheridan is very much not out of the closet. And Bryson Keller is the kind of soccer golden boy of the high school. And he, has, he hasn't been dating much. And they're all at a party one night. And someone dares Bryson to go on a date with a, with a new person, with someone new every week up until spring break. And because he doesn't believe that high school relationships are lasting relationships. And so, so the, the furor begins, all the girls are racing to ask him out every Monday morning to be the girl that he dates that week. And, and, you know, the dates are, are, are very much, you know, just innocent, straightforward kind of dates. And then one day, one day Kai is, is late for class because of this, rush to see who can be the first to ask Bryson Keller out on that Monday morning. Well, it turns out that 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 Bryson and Kai end up in, in class together. And Kai just on a whim says, date me Bryson Keller. And so so Kai and, and Bryson are dating for that week. Well, through the course of that week, they develop they develop a, a very uh, sweet friendship. And, and in the back of Kai's mind, while Bryson is being very attentive and very sweet to him, Kai is wondering what in the heck is going on. He, you know, Bryson is acting very much like he is taking these dates very seriously. And so the, as their relationship grows and, and it comes towards the end of the week, as it, as it turns out, Bryson was dating Kai very seriously. And so, and so that, that creates its own set of problems. And there is, there is you know, of course, you get the, the high school angst and all of the, the pathos that goes along with that. And there is, this, there is an, an instance that I do want to warn folks about, that, an instance of forced outing. And so that, that's, you know, explored a little bit. But it's just, it's, it, it, I've heard... You know, I hate to say that, you know, oh, if you love Simon, you'll mm -hmm. love Date Me Bryson Keller. But it really is, it's such a, it's, it's very similar-ish in, in the tone of just the, 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 the hope and the, you know, just wanting something so much, but, but not thinking, thinking that you can have it. And so Kevin Van Wy, I thought Date Me Bryson Keller was just a, a fantastically, book and it just was one of those right right book at the right time kind of things mm -hmm. for me where I needed something to just put a smile on my face and that one did it. Oh, good. I've had this one lurking in my TBR and yes. I haven't been able to pick it up yet. Yeah, yeah. So I'm glad, uh, I'm glad it's good. It is, it is. I loved it. I thought it was great. All right, so my third book, like I said, I tried to go three very different books. My third book is Slippery Creatures by K.J. Charles. So I went historical. And this one was a lot of fun. I really 
didn't know what to expect for it. It has it's set in the 1920s. It sort of has that 20s pulp feel. And the setup is that Will has returned from you know military duty to find a country that isn't so interested in thinking about him or worrying about him anymore. And he is pretty close to destitute when an uncle takes him in, who's a bookstore owner. And when the uncle dies, Will inherits the bookstore. One day, someone comes in demanding um, information that he believes Will has. They end up ha- they happen to have the same name, and he has no idea what they're talking about. And then people from the war office come in, and suddenly he realizes that his uncle has had this piece of information that both this sort of clearly bad guy gang wants and that the war office wants and that he doesn't have or know where it is, but he having come back from the war and seen some things and seen the way that the soldiers were treated when they returned home, he is very skeptical of the war office as well. So while they seem like they would naturally be the good guys in all of this, he is not willing to really trust either party. And he meets Kim who comes in and um, comes to his aid. And the two of them begin sort of the mystery of figuring out what it is that his uncle received. And slowly over the course of the book, they both find it as well as find out what it is and what repercussions there might be if this information gets out into the world and becomes a thriller as everybody wants, wants Will and wants the information that he has. So it's sort of a, you know, the historical romance combined with a nice suspense plot to it, which I really liked. I mean, I pretty much would read anything that K.J. Giles writes. In fact, I have read pretty much everything that um, she writes. But this was really interesting because slightly different time period than she typically writes in. And it was just a really interesting tone and vibe. It really picked up that 20s energy and was really exciting and had a nice mystery component and first in the series. So there's more adventures for um, Will and Kim. So I'm really excited to see where um, she takes things for them, but it was a lot of fun. Nice. KJ Charles is a gap in my reading. Oh gosh. Oh, you must fill that gap. (laughs) (laughs) You know, things that I've read read for her was the Magpie series. And Mm -hmm. still, I mean, that must've come out what? eight years ago, I still, there are scenes that are still just burned into my head from reading that. I mean, I have a million favorites of hers, but yeah, you've got to, if you want really good historical, and then she has a lot of historical paranormal, definitely one to read for sure. My third book is also historical. It's also set in the 1920s, except mine has lots and lots of magic in it. Starcrossed. Oh yeah. Yeah, is is the second book in Allie Theron's Magic in Manhattan series. Yes. It is the sequel to Spellbound. And Starcrossed picks up uh, where Spellbound left off, mm-hmm. pretty much. Uh, Rory Brodigan, who works for an antique appraiser. He is he is an antiques appraiser, but he has he's also a scryer, so he's very good at what he does because he can tell what is fake and what is not. He is hard scrabble Rory. He's he's grumpy and he's just a poor boy from a poor family. <laughs> you know, he's 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 just a he's just he's just a grumpy little guy. Uh, and then there's Arthur Ace Kenzie. And Ace could not be more opposite from Rory in terms of he is 
wealthy. He's sophisticated. He is, if it's, if there could be more opposite side of the tracks, Ace and Rory are on them. So, so some of this book deals with that in, especially in the 1920s setting, which is already challenging uh, for a gay relationship to begin with. But then for them to be on such opposite uh, spectrums of the social order and so they, they face some of the some of that, especially on Rory's part of how you know how can he how how could he possibly ever fit into Ace's life, even from the standpoint of what excuse do they even have to be seen together because they aren't that far apart on the social spectrum. And so some of some of that is 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 dealt with in this book. But then there's also the the presence of the magic. And there is this nefarious Baron Zeppler out there who who still is is threatening the the, the magical world and and this book it just had it had suspense it had danger it had action it had romance it had drama it just had a little bit of everything they these magical artifacts being on kind of not even the well, the black market, I guess you would call it, where where they're trying to acquire, the bad guys are trying to acquire these things to do magic and mayhem in Manhattan, basically. Allie Theron, it's a Karina Press book, star-crossed. Mm-hmm. It's just got, it's got so much charm and, and the world building is great. The characters are great. It's just a really fun series. So, mm-hmm. so that's, that's my recommendation for my, my third book. Yes, yes, totally agreed. I love the series as well. And yes. it, your comment, which I thought was really interesting as well, uh, the class differences and the way that that's explored, you know, sort of, again, as this add-on to um, the fact that these relationships weren't even accepted at all. And at one point when they're talking to Arthur's ex, who is from the same class, and basically he said, you know, we could be together and no one would ever question two wealthy men traveling together or even living together, but nobody will understand why, you know, a man of Arthur's class is socializing with Rory. So they, it's not even just that they can't be in an obvious relationship, but they can't even have an explanation for why they would be socializing or interacting as friends. And I, I really do think it was the, the shift there in this book where they focus so much on their, that relationship dynamic and, you know, from both of their perspectives, you know, Arthur is so um, upset to see Rory sort of treated like the help and the fact that this whole mayhem is going on and he's being pulled in the direction of his sort of family societal responsibilities. And then you have Rory who is so in- insecure about both his wealth level and so conscious about taking any money from Arthur or doing anything to sort of ease his life. And Arthur's just like, I have more money than I know what to do with and I just want to give it to you. And so I really thought that was the relationship and was really explored so well in addition to the super exciting, you know, magic and craziness going on. The rise in Rory's powers too, the way that the ace is his anchor. So you have kind of, kind of that romantic element there where ace balances him out and the things that, that Rory starts thinking about even making a sacrifice of himself, you know, Mm -hmm. to, to just protect ace and, and, 
and he, it just it's just a really really fun series it's fun i can't wait until the next book which i think is the last one if i'm not mistaken i think this is a trilogy yeah. so I'm looking very forward to that one this is a series i've wanted to try i think i think it was you lisa who recommended spellbound mm-hmm. sometime last year best of the year yes mm-hmm. and you were excited for this book i believe yeah. Uh, so yeah, that, that, yeah, locked on the TBR. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's good. Get read, Jeff. I tell yeah. you, I need more time. I know. <laughs> if only we didn't have jobs. Right? That would solve everything. <laughs> so Pride Month, we definitely want to hear from the both of you a book that really stands out that should be on somebody's Pride TBR list. So kind of shifting from what's been new this spring Let's talk about something good for the Pride TBR. So, Jay, we'll come back to you. Okay, so I, for this, really thought about what Pride felt like and what it meant to me and tried to find a book that I felt like expressed that. So I think that the sense of Pride Month as having, you know, sort of that joy in yourself, the acceptance, the openness, coming to sort of understand who you are and what you want, and even more to sort of know and believe that you deserve to have those things. And, you know, everyone from sort of people who are just sort of exploring their sexual identity and maybe their gender identity, all the way to people who are, you know, coming out or who are out, have been out for a while and having that pride of self and sense of self and understanding. So I tried to find a book that sort of reflected that feeling to me. And I went way back to Forbidden Rumspringa by Kira Andrews. And I picked this one because I felt like it incorporated a lot of those feelings that I think about when I think about pride. It takes place in an Amish Amish community, Isaac and David. They're in a very, very regimented lifestyle. And where, you know, sort of any kind of diversity, even beyond, you know, how tall your wagon wheels are, is frowned upon. And certainly where being gay is not accepted. And they are working together and begin to develop feelings for each other. And they, you know, are sort of facing this situation where first they're coming to even understand that they're attracted to men and then dealing with the issues of, they're not in a, a society where they can explore that in any way. And then sort of making that transition to deciding that not only is this relationship important to them, but their ability to be out is important to them. And what steps are they willing or able to go to, to sort of live this authentic life that both of them want to live. So it's such a great story. And like I said, I feel like it incorporates a lot of those messages about you know, what pride is all about, finding yourself, recognizing your true identity, and then being able to live your life, you know, how you want and how you deserve to live. So it's the first in a trilogy. And I always have a soft spot for this book. Also, because the origins of the story, just as a funny side note, one day I was on the blog, and I was looking at some of my backend statistics. And it shows me how people what people search to find the blog. And one of the things that people searched was like gay Amish porn sex or something like that. Oh and I posted it because I was like, what possibly could have been on the blog to have somebody find Joyfully Jay from that search term? 
And um, I posted on Facebook because I got such a laugh out of it. And it actually is what inspired Kira to write the series because she's like, if someone's looking for it, let's see what we can do. And, um, it is certainly not porn by any stretch, but it just always makes me laugh because I can't figure out what I possibly had on there that got that search engine, but it did um, end up inspiring the series. So I always think oh. that's a funny side note. That's amazing. You've hinted a little round with this book. So what does pride mean to you? Well, I think that, as I said, like for the month, I think it's about coming to that understanding of who you are and accepting of who you are and having the comfort and, you know, hopefully being in a place where you can safely express that. So I think that, you know, this story and a lot of the books we read really talk about often people on all sorts of places on that spectrum of coming to have self-awareness and understanding and acceptance and gaining acceptance from other people and having that confidence and comfort and safety to be able to express it to other people. So that's sort of what made me pull that one out. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Excellent. Lisa, I think I actually recognize the book sitting on your table. <laughs> oh, can you see it? <laughs> Well, I brought visual aids. I had a really hard time with this because, you know, after you read however many, you know, thousands of books over the years, it's 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 difficult to settle on one when you think about one that missed, that, that impacted you the most. But I finally settled on A Faithful Son by Michael Scott Garvin. And one of the reasons, and I know I, I remember this very clearly, I read this book in 2016, and it blew me away and it ended up on my best of and I believe that that we discussed this book and when as I was discussing it I started crying <laughs> because it's just it's one of it's one of the most beautiful books I've ever read it, it even in terms of the way Michael Scott Garvin the way he turns a phrase is just it, it's almost poetic the way the, the way that he writes and so this, this book is the story. It begins in 1959, Durango, Colorado, and follows Zach Vance, uh, 20, almost 20 years into the future. And it's, it's a coming out story. It's a story about being the son of, in a strict Baptist family in rural Colorado in the 1950s and 60s. And it's, it's, it's the story of family. It's the story of a son's love for his mother and how, how he fears how, how she would feel about him mm -hmm. if, she, if, if she knew that he were gay. And if he, would you indulge me for just a minute? Of I course. would love to read. I want to read. This is, this is from the prologue. And by the time this is the final, the final bit of the prologue. And by the time I got to this part of the book, I knew that I was absolutely going to be in love with it. I am an old man now, and no matter the years traveled, I carry an aching feeling that something has been lost and that the missing pieces may be found somewhere there. The only home I've ever known, good or bad, right or wrong, I am left with the memories of these people in the small white house on County Road 250. Perhaps if Parker's path greets me once more, I will find them waiting, Laura and Katie, laughing with their bare feet dangling off Manco's rock. Together, hand in hand, we can jump into the clear waters below. And if the lifting of the morning mist through the aspen clears an unmarked path, 
And if the Colorado clay breaks easily beneath my hands, maybe I can unearth some answers and like a buried treasure, find what is lost. In that moment, kneeling on the banks of Rainbow Lake, I will wash it all clean and finally leave it there. I will then rest in the shade of the pines and wait for the echoes of my mother's distant voice to hasten me home. <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm getting all choked up again. But that is, that is even just the smallest example of how beautiful and how emotive this, this book is in terms of knowing that this is, a, this is an older man who is, is coming back to tell his story and, and that his greatest hope is acceptance and that he, that he does ultimately, he finally leaves Durango in the 1970s, moves to Los Angeles, he begins his own business and he finds the love of his life finally. And he can look back as an old man now and tell this story of all the, the the losses and the triumphs and the love and 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 the turmoil within himself and within his family. It's just a beautiful, beautiful book. So a faithful son, Michael Scott Scott Mark. That's mm -hmm. my, my choice. Excellent choice. Brilliant book. It's a book that it, it's one of those books that you finish and and you just know that no matter how many books you read from now until the end of time, you'll always remember that book. It's mm -hmm. so, so beautiful. Yeah. I'm, I'm super glad you picked that one. So I'll ask you the, the same that I asked Jay, what does pride mean to you? Well, you know, as, as a mom, it, a year and a half ago, it took on a whole new meaning for me. Pride, pride to me is, is pride in, in my child. I'm going to cry again. Pride in the fact that he knew that his that, that that his dad and I were a safe place for him to land, pride is is to me about feeling safe, being who you are, loving who you love, celebrating who you are, celebrating your friendships, celebrating your family. I guess to to me most of all, it's 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 just the acceptance. You know, we see so much ugliness going on in the world right now. And, and there, it's important for us to remember that there is still, there are still things to celebrate out there. And so I think that that's, to me, I celebrate you. I celebrate Will. I celebrate all my friends and, and, and my family and my son. Bless you all. <laughs> Lisa, thank you so much for sharing uh -huh. that. Much appreciated. And, and happy Pride to you and your family. Happy Pride to both of you. Thank you so much for sharing the wonderful reads of spring, these important books for Pride, and, and those meaningful messages, too. Very much appreciated. It is my pleasure always to be here, especially with, with all, of, all three of us now. It's so much fun to be able to, to talk to each other. Yeah, it's great. <laughs> It so definitely great. is, yeah. Thank you I for getting to for talk to you. Thank you for doing the podcast, and thank you for giving us the chance to come on and, and celebrate. Yes, inviting us and having us here to chat. Yeah. Uh, totally our pleasure. It doesn't do any good for our TVRs, but it's great to get together. <laughs> we never promise to be good for your wallets. Only good conversation. 
This week's interview transcript is brought to you by our community on Patreon. If you'd like to read the interview for yourself, simply head on over to the show notes page for this episode at BigGayFictionPodcast.com. And thanks again to Lisa and Jay for so many great book recommendations and for really sharing some poignant pride stories as well with us. I mentioned in that segment that I was waiting to read Conventionally Yours to get the audiobook. Uh, because it was dual narrated between Joel Leslie and Kurt Graves. I have since read the book, and I have to say that I agree with everything that Jay said about it. It is an amazing road trip, enemies to lovers romance. It hearkened back to me for trips that I've taken with friends to go to conventions, not gaming conventions. They were more sci-fi Star Trek conventions. But I have also played D&D at a couple of those conventions in tournaments where I lost horribly because I wasn't that serious of a player. So it brought back kind of all those college feels for me as well. Connor and Alden are such amazing characters. Annabeth really captured these two young men and their anxieties so well. And it was what was keeping them from really fully engaging, not just with each other as potential lovers, but really engaging with the world more openly. And I really love how, as Jay mentioned, that the game is kind of an analogy for their lives too. Kurt and Joel are such a wonderful duo. I think I would follow them anywhere to any audiobook that they wanted to do together. They really bring these two to life and their hopes and dreams and anxieties for that matter. If audiobooks are your thing and you're thinking about picking up this wonderful book, I definitely recommend Conventionally Yours as a uh, audiobook as well. And I do want to mention that Conventionally Yours, along with The Astonishing Life of August March, as well as a couple of the books uh, that Jay and Lisa recommended, are all available on Libro.fm. And listeners of the Big Gay Fiction podcast can get a three-month audiobook membership for the price of one month by signing up using the link biggayfictionpodcast.com slash librofm. That's biggayfictionpodcast.com slash L-I-B-R-O-F-M. Now, besides getting great audiobooks from Libro, you'll also get the chance to support your local bookstore, or if you don't have a local bookstore on their roster, you could select any bookstore you may want to support or let Libro distribute the money for you to go into the local bookstores. So get some great books, support local bookstores. Libro.fm is a great thing. All right. I think that'll do it for this week's show. Coming up next in episode 247, we wrap up Pride Month with Lauren Shippen talking about the Bright Sessions universe. I so much loved talking to Lauren. Uh, I read The Infinite Noise a few weeks ago. And to hear all about the creation of this particular universe and how it spans now podcasts and books was totally fascinating. We here at the Big Gay Fiction Podcast believe in the power of story. And if you've been listening, we're going to guess that you do as well. Reading a romance novel can feed and nurture your soul. And becoming a stronger you is the perfect way to crush systemic racism, homophobia, and misogyny. Reading a romance novel is the perfect way to fuck the patriarchy. Until next time, everyone, keep turning those pages, stay strong, be safe, and keep reading. Big Gay Fiction Podcast is part of the Frolic Podcast Network. You can find more shows you'll love at frolic.media slash podcasts. New episodes of this show are available every Monday wherever you get your podcasts. You can help support this show with a monthly pledge through Patreon. 
For more information about joining our community and the bonus content we deliver, check out patreon.com slash biggayfictionpodcast. I'm Kurt Graves. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next week.